The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk about. First, the Listener League. Listener League 2. You got about three or four spots left. If you want to get in the league, just give a rating and review on iTunes. We'll get you right on in the league. Draft sometime next week. So rating and review on iTunes would be much appreciated. Also, rotoballer.com will be writing season long and DFS content over there this year. It's going to be really awesome. They're offering 50% off a premium MLB package of your choice. Use promo code Bubba, get an extra 10% off, 60% off the package of your choice right now at rotoballer.com. Also, the Fantasy Black Book. I wrote the relief pitcher and catching preview on the Black Book. Get ready for the last few weekends of draft season by grabbing the Fantasy Black Book on Amazon and iTunes. You will not regret that as you head into your draft season. But for now, Bent with Bubba episode 258 with a great man, a great friend, Alex Fast, talking all things fantasy baseball. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 258 got a recurring guest on the show he is a busy man he just wrote another amazing article at pitcherlist.com he's a recent fswa award winner uh they have a new website or an upgraded website of pitcherlist he'll tell you all about it shortly you can find him on twitter at alex fast eight alex how we doing man I'm doing well. Uh, listen, before we begin, I, I want uh, just a quick moment of sincerity. The, you were one of the very first people to, uh, I guess, make the mistake of allowing me on your podcast. And you, I am always going to be grateful to you for that. And I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to say that you have done that for countless people in this community. And uh, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for helping to give me a start. And it's really nice to be with you here tonight. 
No worries. Um, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I love chatting with smart uh, people that love baseball, and there's a lot of them out there. So I'm, I'm glad I crossed paths with you when I did because it's it was a great conversation then. It's been great getting to know you through Twitter and other avenues, and it's great to have you back on the show again. So thanks for the kind words, but um, yeah, it, it was great, man. I'm glad we did it. And um, before, now you got me all flustered. I'm not used to guests thanking me. So um, <laughs> once... Uh, <laughs> Totally different, right out the gate. Three, two, one. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, Cut it out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we don't have it on this show, so we're good. Uh, before we get started, we're going to talk recent news. We're going to talk about your awesome Relief Pitchers article. I think last time we had you on, it's been too long because that was with CSW, which I'm going to ask you about again just for fun to see where that's going. And if we have time, we'll talk some spring training because you seem like you're glued to the TV and just putting awesome videos out. Before we do all that. Let everybody know what you got going on the pitcher list. You guys have got an upgrade. You have a special platform, no Patreon anymore, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we, we just launched Pitcher List 5.0 a couple of weeks ago, and we now have Pitcher List Plus, uh, which, so we're never going to be behind a paywall. We're, we are very firm. Nick is all about that. Until the day he dies, we were not going to have, as long as he owns it, Pitcher List is not going to be behind a paywall. But we do have PL Plus, which is about, uh, you can join monthly, you can join for the year. It gives you Discord access, gives you mock draft access with us. You can talk with Nick and I and everyone else on our fantastic staff as much as you want. It's a very active community. We do, um, merch giveaways uh we can help you with your drafts um and there's just a lot of great stuff going on there so yeah we're putting out this you know amazing content all the time it's not just me we've got this fantastic team uh and this graphics team that's really killing the game right now um uh, but yeah so other than that you know just trying to get out as much content as possible put that relief reliever uh article out there and other than that just praying that the uh pitchers i drafted in labor and anywhere else don't get hurt in the next couple of days man isn't that the truth alex it is ridiculous how many injuries like i know we say it every spring because there's always a ton of injuries out there and things just happen but it seems like it's to very relevant players this year like really relevant and it's killing us like you know i do my show with toby on mondays and for a guy that's basically locked in the theory of pocket aces i he's talked about it on the show where it's like a it's good i took him because i still have one but b that's a lot of picks that are just gone out, out yeah. the window. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. Let's talk about one out the gate here. Justin Verlander, oblique injury, 37 years old. People taking victory laps on the age thing need to take a step back for a minute because he's been doing this for quite a while. But, uh, you know, in the last week, he's down to ADP 15. He's gone as low as 37. How are you approaching Verlander, who's already said he's not going to start the year, uh, you know, with the team? Um, you know, I feel pretty comfortable that when he comes back, he should be fine. I feel like he's a good enough pitcher to know his body and know what he's capable of doing. So I still think you know, you're going to see more than 160 innings out of him personally, and they're going to be quality innings. You're going to get 160 innings of a low three ERA with a you know a mid mid to yeah probably mid 30 percent K rate. So. Uh, I can understand, like me personally, I'm not going to have any shares of him because I think all of these injuries kind of feed into the the strategy that, um, you know, Nick kind of, well, I don't know if he espoused, but it's something that he talks about frequently and one that I've adopted about drafting pitchers a little bit later. Um, you know, so for me, I'm not going to have any shares, but if... If I was still looking to grab him, like if I got him in the 30s, I would still be totally fine with that. I think especially in formats like like Roto, um, you know, if I'm in a categories league, it might hurt a little bit. You got to figure he's going to bounce back, though, and be just fine. But if I'm in a Roto league, then, yeah, I've got no problem with it. Uh, when you get these injuries, because this is the first year and obviously anybody listening knows this, that you're on your own top 100. 
I guess is a, a big accomplishment because that was Nick's deal. And now you're both doing it. So that's pretty awesome um, for a guy like myself that finally did my first top 100. And I, I'm literally doing it. And I'm thinking, how do you guys even do projections? Because this is ridiculous yeah. enough. Like, it's just crazy when you put your time into it. When you get injuries like this with Verlander, we're going to talk about Scherzer in a minute, Sale, all these guys we're going to talk about. Like, how much do you really downgrade them? Or I guess, how serious do you take the injuries? It is obviously case by case. I know I'm gibberishly this, doing this. But how do you approach that? Like, Because obviously, like you said, with Verlander, you trust he's going to be good. But how does that drop him in your uh, rankings, stuff like that? So, yeah, it's a great question. So I, I also hate projections as well. Like, I, well. Actually, you didn't say you hate projections. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. they're tricky, right? I don't know how yes. guys make them. Um, so for me, I like after I do my research and for doing this top 100, um, I try and do some sort of semblance of projection. And I don't really stick to it when it comes to drafts, but it just helps me see like, OK, well, if I think this guy is going to get this many innings and have this whip and this K rate, why is he number five? Why is he number six? just helps me compare a little bit. So, like, for example, like, I don't know where I would rank, rank Verlander compared to Clevenger at this point, right? Because Verlander's a guy I thought was going to get 200 innings. Now that's theoretically down to 180. Uh, Clevenger could theoretically be through his first bullpen today. So in some ways, he could be more ahead of, uh, of Verlander. Clevenger is an interesting use case because I think he is kind of well, we'll talk. I think we talk about him a little bit later, so I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil too much. But I think there's a big chance for re-injury there. But obviously, it moves up guys like Bueller. To me, it, it like it drops down the innings to where I think Strasburg would be, right? Okay. That so makes then sense. you're talking. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to get 180. He's probably going to have a very similar whip and that it's like a low one. You got to figure they're going to have similar ERAs. Verlander probably still going to beat him out for ERA. Uh, and they're probably going to have the same amount of Ks with Verlander edging him out there as well. So at that point, there you go. I think, okay, well, then Strasburg before, you know, Sale, Sale and Snell went down was uh, 10 for me uh, or nine. He's probably going to be about seven now so then i would probably have verlander six i guess maybe i'm just kind of doing this live though that you're, you're very much hearing my process live that's perfect that's what i was asking because I, i've been doing the same things I, I put a google sheets that anybody can have access to of like all my positions top 30 top 80 outfielders top 100 pitchers and i update them periodically as news comes out and like i'll do a big flush usually on the weekends just to kind of go through it and when i'm doing the same like just the periodic ones when, when the news breaks i start doing that in my head okay, if he's going to be out for this long and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, I wanted to see what your process was because as much as we believe, like you said, when Verlander comes back, we expect him to be the Justin Verlander you were picking as like maybe the third starting pitcher off the board. So if he misses, you know, four starts, what does that do? Stuff like that. And that's the process behind it. Also, I've seen where uh, you went with that. It makes total sense to me. Uh, you mentioned Clevenger. We'll talk about him now. He He's, he's going to throw some side sessions here in a couple of days. You know, the long toss has been going well. That's all fine and dandy. There's reports that he might be back as early as mid-April, if not early May, with his knee injury now. You already sound pretty skeptical on that. Uh, he's going at pick 37 the last five days in NFPC online, as low as 45. Uh, what's your thoughts on Clevenger? Yeah, you know, there's a really fantastic piece, uh, an injury piece from The Athletic a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was like, I think it was an injury mailbag or something like that, uh, where uh, it was Virginia Zakis um, talking about his particular injury. And she said in the piece, like, essentially, if you 
because it's his plant leg, right? Because the injury is his plant leg, it's obviously extremely important that he not be rushed back because of how much stress he's going to be pushing, push, putting on that plant leg. Uh, you know, it's kind of a shock absorber in the knee. Um, so I think she even says, if you, yeah, here's the article. If Clevenger waits until early May to return, I'm optimistic that he will be fully recovered and shouldn't have any lingering issues. But if you return sooner, I will be concerned about his health for the rest of the season. So when I saw him, you know, throwing, not fully, but throwing two weeks after the surgery, there wasn't anything in my mind that made me comfortable about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like I, I was talking about this with Dave Sherman, who's another pitcherless guy, and he said, "Well, listen, you know, there's a, there's a good counter to that. He's got plenty of doctors around him. They theoretically know his body best than any of us do, and maybe the surgery went great, and that could totally be the case. But I don't know if I'm willing to risk that. This is a competitor. This is a guy who really wants to be out there, and that could be a narrative. That could be conjecture. But for me, I'm really scared about that re-injury. Yeah, that's the hard part. Like myself, and I know many others. We were all big on Clevenger coming into the year." thinking, you know, we, lo- we love what we saw last year, injuries, whatever, but the overall package, we were a fan of coming into 2020. And then he hurts his, his knee, and I talked to Spore and others about it, that, okay, it's good, it's on his arm, so we're, we're, we're good there. But the plant leg, situations like that, okay. And then now what you're saying in that article, which The Athletic just keeps pumping out amazing content that people yep. need to be reading, um, that it makes a lot of sense. If it's his plant leg, all his weight's going to go on it. What's he doing rushing out there and getting on his leg already? Because for a guy like myself, I've blown up both my knees catching back in the day. Um, it's, it's no fun trying to to get back there and rush that back. So that's a good point. I didn't even think of it that way. I was more just concerned of you know keeping the arm up to speed so when he can start throwing again, it won't take him long to get into game action. But interesting to see. Very interesting. I haven't ended up with any Clevenger. As he, some people are still in love with him, so they're taking him earlier than I'd like. But uh, very interesting to see. Let's talk Mad Max. He uh, skipped his or missed his last start. With a side injury, you know, typical Mad Max, I'm a bad boy standards, said, oh, I could have pitched if it was a real game, nothing to see here. Well, we know he's had back issues. Now we have maybe a side issue. Still going to pick 14 as low as 22. Do you have any concern with Max Scherzer? I, I really do take him at his word when he said it's an ailment and not an injury. You know, he, he says he's absolutely not concerned. He said there's not even a strain there. He didn't even need an MRI. He says it's purely fatigue and an endurance thing. And I can I can buy that in, in spring. You know what I mean? He's yeah. working his body up. Maybe he took some time off after the World Series. So I, I can kind of buy that. I'm actually interested to see how much, the, you know, it's happening at such an interesting time, right? It's because it's happening after the Snell news and after the Sale news and after the Clevenger news. It's like, you know, it, and after Verlander, excuse me. So it's like, oh, God, another one. So I think it makes him fall down draft boards a little bit. But to be honest, I'm actually probably worried the least about him. And in terms of the back injury, I think I spoke with a doctor a couple of weeks ago and I was making my rankings. And he said that while, yes, of course, back injuries can be reoccurring, there was something about his particular back injury that made it a lower chance of recurrence. Mm-hmm. So... And then if you look at his, you know, his innings last year, obviously 172 was low from it was his lowest since I think ever. No, 2009. He still had a career high K rate. He had a career high swinging strike rate. This is a swinging strike rate that's climbed every year since 2014. So even if that regresses, right, even if that swinging strike rate goes to 15 percent and he's still giving you 170 innings and maybe that K rate goes back down to 33 percent, you're still talking about a a high two ERA guy who's still getting you over, you know, 220, 240 strikeouts. So I'm fine with Scherzer. Yeah, and that's a good point there, because it's the argument that I started to embrace with Kershaw is, okay, he's not going to throw 200 innings. Just accept it. You're going to go 160 to 170, maybe 180 if everything goes right. 
but the quality of the innings are going to be outstanding. And that's just something yeah. you need to take and walk away with because, you know, similar, it could be a whole other article. Maybe it's been done by someone. I missed it. But similar to the relief pitcher article we're going to talk about, there's so many talented pitchers now that just don't go deep anymore. We don't get a ton of guys that – that's why it's like a, a, an anomaly when we see, you know, Barrios consistently goes over 200 for a couple of years or some other guys not just named Scherzer and Verlander doing it time and time again. So we need to start accepting that and working that into our, our philosophy, I guess, might help a little more. Let's go to the New York Mets, one of the best, you know, crack stack medical groups in baseball. <laughs> they've, they've, they've done it again. But this, I get, I'm not going to put it all on them, but Michael Conforto, like, can we just get one healthy season? Just one, no issues, be great. He's already yeah. got an oblique, he's already got an oblique injury. Uh, lo- very unlikely he's not going to start the season with the big club. Uh, he's dropped as low as pick 181 over the last four or five days, which is telling you people are already taking that into consideration. I dropped him down about, I think, 10 to 15 spots in my outfielder rankings. What's your thoughts on Conforto now? Because it's another year of, of injuries. Yeah, you know, it's it's. It, I guess even last year though, he's still even in those injury years. Maybe this is some solace. Even in in eighteen and nineteen, he still played over one hundred and fifty games, and and that's almost par for the course, right? I mean, that that's not too bad, uh, all things considered. Last year he played one hundred and fifty one, you know, with a with a two fifty seven average and those thirty three homers. So I mean. It, it's all about how much you want to build around it and how much you want to deal with that headache, right? If if you have, I guess, some high upside um, outfielders around him, then maybe I'd be interested in taking him. But it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to make a case for him, and I'm really failing miserably. So I think I just might kind of be out there. Yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. Like I lo- I've always loved Conforto. Like you said, even when he's been hurt, he plays well. So that's why I just want a healthy season out of him. And then, it, but this oblique injury worries me because it's going to be. On, I think it's on his front side. So when he's really trying to get the pull power or something, that's got to be fully healthy to get back to there. So we'll have to see how it goes. I'm probably going to be off of him for now because I'm not as risk averse in drafts as others. And if I'm taking more risk, it's usually later in the draft. So I want to get yeah. my stable core, and that's the problem with with Conforto. We're not going to get that anymore. There um, is a really great. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, there's, there's a. A really great article that Jeff Zimmerman wrote uh, in the beginning of January about playing through performance and how, excuse me, playing through injury and how it hurts your future performance. Mm -hmm. And that might as well be about Michael Conforto, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't know what he's going to play through. And that's obviously something that baseball players shouldn't be doing because it really hampers what you're going to do for the rest of the season. So to kind of add to the concern that you just had, if he's starting off in March in the cold, playing through an oblique injury, even though it's grade one, Mm -hmm. then when does he get right? You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's a little scary. Very, very good point there. Like, we saw Chris Davis do it all last year, and that was annoying as I'll get up. Um, let's go to a guy that you guys over at Pitcher List had some phenomenal video of yesterday, and that's one Michael Kopech. And he made his return to the, the bump yesterday, and he was just throwing flames. Four straight pitches yeah. over 100. I think he had, like, six or seven of 11 pitches, 100 or more, like, real close to there. Looks filthy. His post his post inning or pitching interview was priceless. The guy's got a little personality there, and mm-hmm. um, he's going to pick two eighty two. He's already bumped up as high as two thirty one. I think people saw that and already are running. We know he's only going to pitch about one hundred innings, give or take. So, how are you approaching him in a draft? Because yeah, he's awesome, he's fun, but what's the reality here? Yeah, you know what? For oh, so Nick has this great term uh, that someone on Twitter whose name I forget coined called "hipster," like headache-inducing pitchers that uh, strain your entire roster. Uh, that's awesome, and, 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 and right? It's great, and it's like, and that's Michael <laughs> Kopech, right? Like mm-hmm. I, 
I can't fall for it. You know what I mean? I understand. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that the stuff is electric. Like, when you watch that, like, at, we're, Nick and I talked about it on the podcast. Like, at some point, the, it looked like the frame rate in the camera and center field just couldn't even pick it up. Like, it just looked like, <laughs> like a blur. So that's exciting. But, like, as you said, we're maxing at 100 innings, right? There's no yeah. reason why the White Sox are going to want to push a guy coming off Tommy John surgery, even though it's been about two years, who's throwing 100 and push him. 120 innings and when are you getting those 100 innings right are you getting them to start the year are you getting them in the middle of the year does he go back down and they do what they did with paddock does he come all the way at the end of the year so that's that's a hipster right there and then meanwhile with all of those things baked in what is he giving you is he giving you a, a, a three era or is he giving you a mid four era so where he's going in drafts there are guys who have um more innings coming their way that I'm a little bit more interested in. Like, obviously, um, you know, Mitch Keller is going behind him right now. Mitch Keller is going to have much more innings and, in my mind, has just as high of a, a ceiling as Michael Kopech does. Ooh, that so sounds good. I go with Mitch Keller there. I love I love that. Like, another one that's going um, – I, I pick 104. So, obviously, never mind. It's a lot different. But a guy that has a similar idea to me, like we know he's going to maybe get 100 – 30 innings or so. But what's your thoughts just for fun now on heck? A guy like Jesus Lazardo, who we know is not going to go a full season unless they space it out a lot. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, I think the term uh, hipster literally came from him. You know what I mean? Because he's <laughs> going to be, yep. he's going to be another uh, guy who, who's like that. I mean, we, he had that, you know, his stuff is, there's no question about the stuff. I mean, like, it, it's, it's absolutely electric. I think if you're going to, I don't want to completely throw him off. You know what I mean? Because he is fantastic, especially in dynasty formats. Then, you know, buy as many shares as you can. But there are ways to build a roster around it. If you're a guy who's like, I want Lazardo, You know what I mean? I he, He's just a guy that I want to have. I want to watch him pitch and I want him on my team. I'm totally fine with that. Build around him with a Corey Kluber. Build around him with a with a Madison Bumgarner, a guy who isn't as sexy, but who has, in my mind, a high floor and is more likely to get you 200 innings. That's going to make you, uh, you know, not fall off when you draft Jesus Cesardo. Good point. I like that quite a bit. Uh, let's go to the Yankees, who might be borrowing the Mets training staff these days <laughs> uh, with their reporting. My goodness. Um, I think you and I could have diagnosed some of these things back in October. Um, seriously like geez louise but uh gary sanchez he's a pick 86 as low as 117 so he's starting to fall a little bit first he misses action with the flu they guaranteed us it's not corona so we're good there but um also kind of already dealing with a back injury which is not good to say the least what's your thoughts on gary because he's pretty much catcher two most places are you going to move him out of catcher two or how do you go about that yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably move. I mean, I don't think the flu is really going to maybe it delays him a little bit. The flu is serious. You know what I mean? Like the yes. flu is a bit like it's not like something where he has a common cold. Like he could be down for, for two weeks and he could feel, you know, one of the big thing you hear, big things you hear with athletes getting the flu is they lose a lot of weight. They lose a lot of muscle. So this could theoretically be something um, that that uh you know derails him for a little while in this crucial time when he needs to be ramping up. With that said, you know. 
do I think he's all of a sudden going to miss 30 games at the beginning of the year? No, I still am taking the over on the 106 games that he played last year. I think he's still capable of doing, you know, anywhere between 110 and 120, which still means he's probably going to hit you over 30 home runs and be the exact same guy that you thought he was going to be. So in my mind, if you're drafting Gary Sanchez too, if that's, if that's where he is on your rankings, you already theoretically have this built in. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily knock him there because it's like, you're, you're still going to get more of what you're expecting. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It, it goes back to, uh, some previous conversations, even like the Scherzer stuff or even, uh, Verlander. We know he's already not going to play a lot of games. We still expect him to hit a ton of home runs when he plays. And that's what you haven't ranked there for. So yeah, it makes sense to me as well. This one's interesting because another kind of injury riddled career of David Dahl, but everyone knows the talents there. Uh, he's going to pick 143 as high as 109, I'm assuming, very recently. Because news came out that he might lead off for the Rockies. And we know just being a Rockies hitter in general is amazing. But now leading off in front of the Arenados and Stories and Blackmans of the world, what does this do in your opinion of a guy like David Dahl? This is, this is what cracks me up so much. I, I have a, 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 I'm a GM, and I've got a man made of glass. And I say, <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to put him at in the – place in the lineup where he's going to see more at bats than any other person and i'm also going to put him in center field (laughs) right isn't that kind of insane the rockies just know how to manage players what can we say it's it is yeah it's 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 something man like i thought my orioles were in the dark ages but that to me is just like almost negligence like in my mind if if david Dahl was batting fourth or fifth where he could do a very good amount of damage and he was playing in right field i would be much more interested because i think that the chance for him to get injured wouldn't be any higher than it usually is each year but when i hear that he's going to still be playing center field and then playing at you know leading off how can I expect more than 100, 110 games from him considering he's never eclipsed over 100, you know? Yep. Obviously, the, the the ceiling's there, but it's like, I, I think Conforto is going to have more games. He's going to have nowhere near the the average, but he's going to have more home runs, theoretically. So if it's between those two, why wouldn't I go with Conforto? I like that. That was uh, an interesting uh, two guys that are on the brink of the news right now and uh, comparing the two. I like that quite a bit. Um, I'm with you too on Conforto. I love Dahl's talent, but like you said, they're finding ways to get him hurt now, and that's just a <laughs> yes, bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like put him in the middle of the order and play him at first base. Let's just like yeah. do that. Simple. Walk away. Let Daniel Murphy go. Um, Jordan Alvarez. This one's been bugging me for a while. People thought I was crazy, but now it feels like it's been at least two weeks. These knees that are bugging a guy that's in his early 20s, uh, not good in my book. But people are still saying he's awesome, which, sure, he hits the ball great. But he's going to pick 41 right now. And now the knees are still bugging him so much, he might not be ready for opening day. What does this do for you, Alex? Um. So, okay. He's already kind of hampering you a little bit because he's util only, right? Which is mm-hmm. which is a, a little bit rough. Um, so I'm I'm kind of out on those guys a little bit unless I'm really able to build around it, which I think it's a little bit difficult to do. I think the the silver lining is it's not something that I think theoretically is going to sap power the way a wrist or a shoulder or an oblique would, right? True, true. Um, so true. I think that if, if he makes that recovery, if he, if he, you know, I have no problem if they're like, we're going to give him an extra week. I know theoretically he was supposed to like take some swings tomorrow or, or whatever it is. He was supposed to do something tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if that's, or excuse me, on Friday. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, but for him, I'm not going to knock him too much. It's also like if he does heal, it's not like Conforto or Dahl in the sense that he's out in the field every day. 
so I think, you know, the, the wear and tear might be a little bit less, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're probably going to have a few off days a little bit so he can kind of rest and get back to where he needs to be. Maybe they'll sit him a little bit more and let Kyle Tucker play because who knows if that's actually going to happen. What a thought. Um, what a thought. That, wouldn't that be nice to have what one of your best thought. prospects play? Yep. That'd be great. I'd love that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I'm if I'm out. I'm monitoring it, but at this point, I'm still comfortable taking him. And I guess on the bright side, if you just look at last year at 87 games, he's still at 27 homers and at 313. Uh, most projection, <laughs> yeah, that that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Projection sites, let's say Steamer, 134 games, which if he misses a week or so plus interleague play, that's still that's kind of reasonable number actually. Uh, 37 homers, 101 RBIs, 276. I guess you can live with that. That's not too shabby. So yeah. um, I, I'm just, I just, when I hear a kid at that age with knee injuries, I just kind of like squirm a little bit. But uh, of course, yeah. yeah, we'll see for sure. This one sucks because a Julio Urias is a, a fun young pitcher. Obviously, was not on purpose because he's wearing a Texas Rangers jersey, not a Houston Astros jersey. So that yeah. was different. But Willie Calhoun going to pick 202 just got laced in the face. And um, the good thing is, I guess, if we take a silver lining in this, when they had the surgery, they didn't have to wire his jaw shut. So that's good, I would imagine, for recovery. <laughs> if that's I'm your thinking, good news, then like how yeah, bad is your I'm, try, I'm trying to find a silver silver lining <laughs> in this whole thing. But it's uh, like, I, I didn't, I'm not a doctor. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express. But you know, <laughs> y- y- we've seen different timetables for these deals. I think it was J.D. Martinez or whatever. I think it was him. He missed, I know, Reese Hoskins. He missed like a week to 10 days. And then we've seen like uh, Jason Hayward miss like two months. Mm-hmm. So there's no report on this. What are you doing with Willie Calhoun in drafts right now? It's tough, man. I mean, the, the one I'm really looking forward to. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, Nick calls me like Alex Think Fast all the time because he makes fun of me. But like, can I, I, I'm scared in a batting cage that hits 50 miles an hour, right? And, <laughs> yep. And now Willie Calhoun, like, I I just don't think you can tell me that he will honestly be able to st- get back into a batter's box and be as aggressive as he usually is, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't that happen with with Stanton or someone when they got hit in the face and they said that it like it took them a while to be able to see pitches again? I think you're uh, right. I think it might have been Stanton, yeah. So that that does kind of scare me a little bit. So he would have to kind of drop a little bit for me. Uh, to be for me to be interested. I mean, I think wh- where do you have him now? I have him near like the one seventies. He uh, on ADPs right now. He's a pick two o two in the last five days. Two o two. So he's yeah. dropping. All. He's gone as low as two ninety eight. You say at that point, I have absolutely no problem with it. If he's a yeah. guy that I'm picking at the back end, like yeah, I think I think that's kind of it. Like two thirties, two forties. I've got like no problem with it because there is still so much upside there. And at that point, you've built a roster around him. You know what I mean? You've taken plenty of outfielders where you don't need, necessarily need to rely on him. At that point, yeah, in the in the mid two hundreds, I'm totally fine with him there. Yeah, he'll be a bench bat for you. You work with it then. Like I dropped him to uh, outfielder 51 for me in my ranks. I think I had him inside the top 30 for sure. Like I, I was mm-hmm. a big, big guy on Willie Calhoun this year, but I guess we'll have to wait yet again. Um, this one's a little more fun, though. There was questions about when he'd be ready to, to get back in action, but Byron Buxton took some live BP, and who better to take live BP on than Homer Bailey? That'll get your spirits up. <laughs> but, um, you know, twins, that Rocco Baldelli, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Byron Buxton's going to pick 140 as low as 195. You know, all reports were good yesterday. He's feeling good again today. Assuming things go right, he's ready for opening day. They're saying we, 
is this finally the year, Alex, or are we just going to keep burning money on him? Um, other people could keep <laughs> burning money on him. That's totally fine <laughs> with me. Like, I'm totally down. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy who's injury prone, who to his credit plays all out defensively, right? All mm-hmm. out. And this is something that I think Bryce Harper talked about a couple of years ago where he was like, I realize that there are smarter ways for me to play. Not that I'm saying Byron Brexton isn't a smart defensive player, but there are ways, you know, I'm not necessarily going to die for that ball if I don't need to die for that ball because it's going to cost me some games. You know, I think that's what Harper was saying, something to that effect. And then he ended up improving drastically this past year defensively. But for Buxton, it's like he's always going to be that kind of player. Um, and he's going to hit ninth in that lineup, right? Uh, now, to be fair, hitting ninth in that lineup is almost the same as like hitting third anywhere else because that lineup is stacked. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if he's hitting ninth when Miguel Sano is ostensibly hitting eighth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that's yeah. kind of crazy to me. How funny is that he's sorry to interrupt you, that he's hitting eight, like projected to hit eight. Like I just <laughs> it's bananas to me. It makes no sense to me. It's like no. it is absolutely wild to me. David Dahl is leading off, and Miguel Sano is hitting. Let's eight put a guy that you, let's put a guy that either homers or strikes out like eighty five percent of the time batting <laughs> eight. This is a great idea. Yeah, he's he's like quite literally just a a uh, two true outcome person as opposed to a three <laughs> true outcome person. Oh, it's crazy! It's crazy, but I, I'm excited for Buxton. He's fun to watch. He's just man, it's tough to. To roll the dice on that guy. It really, really is. It, but he could be a game changer in a world where people need saves. If you, if you want to believe, if you want to take that risk. Like, would you rather take a risk on a guy like Byron Buxton or, say, Joe Adele? Uh, Byron Buxton. Okay. That's yeah, Byron Buxton for sure. Because I think the, the theoretically the playing time could be exactly the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very Exactly. Very true. What about Byron Buxton and Malik Smith? Uh, Byron Buxton, because I think there's a much higher chance of a 2020 season and he's on a far better team. Totally agree. Totally agree. Just wanted to cover some of those steals up guys. Uh, let's go back to the Indians here. Another guy, Cookie Carrasco, who, you know, great story. He's back. He, you know, had the, the cancer scare last year and that stuff. And, and he, he's good to go. It seems like everything's rolling, but, uh, had, does have some elbow inflammation reports out of Indians camp is he deals with this every spring. I'm like, geez, Louise, that's a great thing to do. But um, he's not going to start the year with the club, but only supposed to miss a couple starts. He's going to pick 136, the 50th pitcher off the board right now. Do you have any interest in taking a gamble on him at that point? I, I, when, when the hip injury was out, I still took him as my number two in TGFBI. Um, Granted, he kind of fell to me. A lot of guys uh, were kind of off the board at that point. But I, I do firmly believe that that Cookie still has that that SP2 upside. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, he just has that in him. Uh, I want to I want to take Francona at his word, as you said, that this is something that he deals with all the time when he starts ramping up. And I guess I am more prone to believe that because, you know, he got started later because of that hip flexor injury. And now he's kind of dealing with this. Um I'm going to be a little bit more upset if they do have him start the year on the IL because that's automatically a 15 day IL, which means that he's probably not pitching until the end of April. I would be, I, I want to take a quick look at the Indian schedule because I guess there is theoretically a world in which, because they have the 26 man now and they have that extra guy. Um, and maybe if they have some, some off days at the beginning of the year, uh, they might be able to just go with a four man rotation. Um, but man, they're, they're hurting right now, right? I mean, what is it? Plezak and Plutko at the back Plutko, of that rotation? And then Logan Allen filling in if necessary. Yeah, they really need Clevenger and Carrasco back big time. Which, you know what I mean, scares me, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like what, yep. considering the conversation we just had about Mike Clevenger, yeah, and now you're saying back, to me, right. totally. Now they need him back. It looks like they start with the Tigers, then they have an off day before they go to the White Sox. Let's see if they have consecutive games. Yeah, then they're on. Oh, there, there's no way. After they play, <laughs> they play the White Sox. How many consecutive games is that? So they start on Saturday. One, two, three, four. It looks like they go. Oh, they don't have a break until Monday, the thirteenth of April. My goodness! So that's that's two weeks of consecutive baseball when a lot of teams are kind of getting a bunch of you know a bunch of off days there. That's not good for Carrasco. I think he then probably likely starts the year on the IL, which means that he's probably making his first start maybe against like the Athletics or maybe the Tigers in the middle of April. That scares me a little bit. Yeah, and the other scary part to think about, not just rushing them back with these injuries, but Cleveland in that area of the world is going to be cold to start the season, even worse yeah. for these guys. Like yeah. you said about Conforto, that's uh, yeah, not good. Not good, Bob. Um, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that reference. I love that one. But yeah, no, I said that. I so, go, yeah. people don't get it. How do they? I don't no. get it. So many kids just, you know, uh, yeah, I can go on a whole diatribe. My wife hasn't seen so many 80s movies. It makes me sick sometimes. Um, but yes, <laughs> it's crazy talk. But uh, Blake Snell, I know listening to some of your shows, you are uh, a bit concerned with this guy. He's going as low as pick 71, around pick 50. He's a couple of picks uh, before Carrasco these days, uh, quite a few actually. But he's right before you, Darvish, right before Aaron Nola. Reports are out that he feels great and he's still on track for opening day, which I have no idea how that's possible. It but can't uh, be. yeah, what's your thoughts on Blake Snow? Um, listen, he's in an organization in which I will trust that they will be able to take care of him. You know what I mean? True. They they have so much depth. Uh, you know, fine. He he. I think today it was like because he's not starting theoretically. Roster resource put Trevor Richards there in the five spot. That's totally fine with me. And then if Trevor Richards doesn't pan out, then they can go with Brendan McKay. You know what I mean? They've got so many, or they can go with an opener for a while. Maybe they can stretch out Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarbrough a little bit longer. So I hope that they do take their time with him. I know that the last thing I saw was that he wasn't going to make a start, but he was going to throw a simulated game uh, on Friday or something like that in Dunedin. He was already a guy that like, I don't know if it was because of the injury last year or what it was, but there was some volatility there, right? And then he had the loose elbow, uh, the loose bodies in the elbow, which was already kind of scary with him. Um, I think it was like the 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 zone rate in his slider wasn't quite as good. He was forcing himself to go in the zone a little bit more, and then he was getting punished as a result for it. This is all to say that things kind of spiraled a little bit with him. Um, he still had the fourth best CSW in all of baseball, which is really encouraging. So I don't think that, you know, oh, he's going to come back and he's going to be terrible. No, when he comes back, he's still going to be a top 12 pitcher. But once again, like, do I want to take him where he's going and then really deal with that that headache the entire year? Like, you know what? At this point, just give me Darvish. Like, I think Darvish has so much amazing upside this year. I'm so in on the Darvish train. I'm going to skip Verlander. I'm going to skip Snell. I'm going to take all the hitters I can in those first two rounds. And then I'm just going to grab Darvish in the fourth or fifth and be totally fine with it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Darvish guy. I'm with you. Uh, it's something I've talked about many times on my show. I know you guys talk about it, too. Uh, Scott Pianowski, I want to say, is the guy that cloned the Fraser. It's his world. Um you're already going to get injuries in the season. Why draft injured, especially pitchers like that just yeah. terrifies me. Like there's like, everyone's got a price. Like we talked about like Clevenger or Carrasco. If they dropped a certain number, sure. Everyone's got a price, but my goodness, like, are you drafting Chris sale right now? In, in no world, in no world. <laughs> it, 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 I don't care if he's picked 400. I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. 
Yep. That, that, and that's my point. There's still people going, oh, yeah, if he gets to pick such and such. I'm like, guys, you're basically drafting a guy that's probably like 75% likely to either get Tommy John or battle with this all season long. So which one do you want? Like it's yeah, it's not pretty. But uh, let's talk about another guy coming back from injury. Uh, looked pretty good in in, in uh, late rehab action. Very limited time with the bigs last year. Has looked okay in spring. And this is strictly because of his price tag. I want to get your opinion here. Uh, Johnny Cueto has been announced the opening day starter. And when we talk, you know, pit the saves here in a little bit. Starting pitching is the same way. And a guy like yourself that waits on taking a big stud, you got to get the middle tier guys, and you got to get some late targets. I'm not saying Johnny's a target of yours, but he's going to pick 305. Does that interest you at all? Um, I, I feel like a broken record, and I apologize for that, or people are getting frustrated with this, but I, I do very much think it, it's depending on how you're building your roster again, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, you're, if your middle rounds were filled with high upside guys like Jordan Montgomery, like Mitch Keller, like Lance McCullers, um, then maybe I, could, I can see you taking him there because I do think that he is so, still going to get a good bulk of innings. I don't know if he's going to get 200, but I think he'll get a, a nice bulk of innings. Um, I know his spring training appearance yesterday against the Cubs didn't necessarily go as planned. Um, but people need to remember before that TJS, Cueto had a 3-2-3 ERA uh, with a 4-7-1 FIP in his third full season with the Giants. The FIP is scary, but I mean, like, he's he's he, that ballpark is going to help him so much. Um, we saw the velocity return in the very small sample we got last year, 91 mile an hour, like fastball sinker, 84 mile an hour slider, 83 mile an hour change. Um, you have to figure with the repertoire, he can still be a high three ERA, low four ERA guy, which can help you at your back end. But it's all about how you've constructed uh, your roster and how you've drafted. And I know people don't listen to Bench with Bubba to talk about Giants starting pitch. But we'll have some fun with this for a second. Um, Cueto or Samarja? Oh, God. Oh, man, man. Justin Mason doesn't listen either. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I guess I'll go Samar. No, I'll go Cueto. I'm gonna go Cueto. Cueto or Gossman? Man, you really don't want me ever coming back to this show, huh? Um, <laughs> I will go. I'll go Gossman. I still believe in that splitter. There's still a part of me that loves him so much. I'll go Gossman. Yeah, Gossman's going like ten picks before him, so that's probably about right. It's just it's just a fun discussion because he's one of those late round guys. Maybe we'll see what he rolls with and go from there. But um, quick question before we get to your saves piece: You mentioned CSW. I'm just curious because it's such an amazing stat. We've talked about it before. Um, we use it a lot on the uh, Bubba and the Backflip show, talking pitchers. What's next in store? Do you have anything next in store? I have a feeling you might, but I'm just curious. Uh, what's the next step for CSW? Um, well, we want to try and we've got this great leaderboard that we're continuing to roll out. I think we're going to have another big launch for it when opening day rolls around uh, or around then. I'm hoping. Don't quote me on that. But we want to be able to have that CSW tracker uh, and then have an article about stabilization points for it. You know, around the seventh or eighth start, we're going to um, have a piece. Uh, I think I'm going to come out with a piece about like, OK, these are the CSW guys that are really sticking out right now a little bit earlier in the season. You know, who are the guys that are high up on CSW that are maybe under 30 percent owned, under 20 percent owned? So guys can try and go gobble them up a little bit. Uh, and also just on the forefront, you know, we want to be able to have a place where it's more accessible for everyone. We the, the amount of love that CSW has gotten from guys like you, uh, and, you know, obviously in Battlefield Crazy, like you just brought up, like it's been amazing to us. So we want to be able to make it as accessible for you guys as possible. It's a big goal for us. And uh, just having it for you guys easily available is, is our big priority. I love it. Looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. 
Let's get to it. Your saves article, we've drafted saves wrong again. And it's so good because I'll give you my two cents before we really dig in is I've always been a proponent of a, there's like a few guys up top that are, are good, like really good. I get it. But I'm more of a mid-pack end of draft type guy. I want to get one guy I'm pretty confident is going to be the guy and then go from there type situation, which you kind of talk about in your article. Um, basically, what I'm saying is your article made me feel really good about myself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's just kind of pick it apart here for a little bit. I'm, again, I'm not going to give away everything because I do want people to read the articles because I've said it many times on the show. I am not the smartest stats guy. Like I've, I, I came in as more of a, you know, I watched the game. I played the game. I'm every year I learn more and more stats, but then when you guys put graphs together and all kinds of stuff, sometimes it can be overwhelming. You did not overwhelm it like at all. Like you made it real simple. Like you get, you gave a quick description after each graph or each stat. Like you made it very knowledgeable. It's even one of those articles that if you, maybe took a break. You weren't lost when you came back because you forgot everything. It was really put together. And like, if you want to go look at a specific team, it's a lot easier than trying to navigate through it. So I want to say that that much that it's, it's really easy for even the the bare bones people to understand. Um, What's your, I guess is a broad term. I know what your biggest takeaway is from this, but you, you did a piece two years ago. You've talked about it at, at first pitch Florida. Now you've talked about it with other people besides myself what do you think's the biggest thing people are gaining from this or you gain from this article? Um, I think it's another perspective, uh, which I think is so important because I think as fantasy players, sometimes we can get set in our ways, right? Um, one of the, one of the best books I've ever read about fantasy baseball had nothing to do with fantasy baseball. And it's called thinking fast and slow uh, by Daniel Kahneman. And it's all about, recency bias and confirmation bias right and ways that we approach uh fantasy baseball right that we don't even realize right like like for me sometimes i'll find myself maybe moving a guy up a little bit because i recently watched a performance of his or you know uh the twitter is a perfect example right i'll make a gif of a, a really great pitch and people go oh man that must be a fantastic pitcher when he got shelled the rest of the way right <laughs> yeah. um so I think when it comes to to saves, you know, we we can get stuck in our ways a little bit. So if there's one thing I want, you know, the takeaway that I it's not the takeaway that I had. It's the one takeaway I guess I want people to have from it is like all this is is another perspective that's backed by data. One thing I kind of keep saying to people is like I have absolutely no problem with you disagreeing with me. I I totally welcome it. Like that's what makes leagues fun, like disagreement about projections. All I want is for people to understand where I'm coming from. And that's what this piece is about. And that's a very good point you just made right there is I've told people that with my rankings because it's like the first time I've really made the full list public to people and uh, just anything I write, my analysis on, you know, sleepers or whatever articles I do, what I talk about on the podcast is I tell people, you know, if you disagree, that's great. If you want to have a civil conversation, that's great. That's the beauty of fantasy baseball or fantasy sports is we can all think the way we want. That's why we draft different teams. Like it's that that's that's the beauty of it all. That's why we can trade players because we value people differently. Like there's a there's a lot of good good points to that that people I like I hope most understand. That's where we're coming from. Like sure we give educated guesses uh, guesses and research and and all that to it. It's not just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. But at the same time, sure someone's going to find a way to do it bigger and better than anything we've done already. It's just the way it's going to go. So uh, yeah. I like that point very very much. Um, looking at some of the, the things that you came up uh, came through with your data here, 
you know, saves were down forever. Then they peaked in like 15, then they dropped and they kind of little peak. And then they're back down again last year. You broke down the different amount of players that, that are getting saved now 204 people last year. If you include like the Melanson, which is a very good point that you make. Cause I never would have thought of that. Um, so on and so forth. Where do you see this going and just, you know, guessing, looking at the data in 2020, you think it's going to drop even more with more guys getting saves or kind of level out? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the the impact that the three innings pitch roll is going to have on this, right? Yes. Um, so as a result, I don't see, I, as you so aptly just said, yeah, we've seen uh, more relievers get saves. I saw, we saw 176 get saves in 2018. I thought that was going to be like the zenith. I thought that was going to be kind of the end of it. And then it shot up to 204. Um, I, I would be so, I was already surprised that it climbed up that much. I would be so surprised if it climbed higher, especially with that three innings pitch rule. While I don't think the three innings pitch rule is going to have an extremely drastic effect. Uh, I think it will bring saves down, but even if it does, right, even if it brings the amount of relievers getting saves down and it brings it back down to 170 or 180, like we saw in 2018, it's still near career high levels. The saves are still being distributed. Um, So I, I don't think it's going to have that much uh, of a difference, but I don't think we're going to see it continue to climb. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's hard to climb much more, especially with the rule, like you said. Uh, we'll talk about some situations here in a little bit, but you mentioned it with like the Nats with Doolittle and Hudson. I, I think the Braves are in a similar boat with Smith and Melanson. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of teams. The Rays are one I'm a big fan of where you're going to see a lot of situational stuff. Like I, I mentioned with the Braves, if it's going to be like a Soto um, and somebody else coming up, Soto Thames or something in Washington, you're going to get Smith in the ninth. Um, there's going to be situations yeah. where you're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff going on forward. I think that's something to keep an eye on when you're drafting these guys, which makes me wonder, you know, I think Smith's a great pitcher, but why not just wait for Melanson or something like that? Um, I, I previewed the relief pitchers for the fantasy black book with Joe P. Sapia, and I, I found it very interesting that only one, like I didn't go nearly as deep as you did, but only one closer in all baseball had 40 saves last year, Kirby Yates, which is crazy yep. to think about because in years past you'd had a few. Um, you know, there's uh, in 2018, there's three with 48, 2017, two, 2016, or six. That's a, a crazy jump. Um, but there were 11 closers with 30 or more. That's uh, again, there are 22 closers had at least 20 saves, 37 had at least 10. Like it kind of goes to what you're saying, basically. It's uh, it, it's it's a wet and wild ride there. How do you approach drafting closers in your draft? Um, it, it's it's a great question. I mean. For me personally, I feel very comfortable in how active I am on the waiver wire to be able to not punt it fully. I really don't recommend punting it fully because I think you dig yourself quite a hole by doing that. But I have no problem taking the 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 not as sexy names. Um, I, like I'm totally fine with getting a Rizel Iglesias, even though he had so many blown saves last year, because I really do believe if the facts show us anything or if the past 12 years of data show us anything, that the Reds are going to stick with their guy. I believe it was the Reds and the Padres that stuck mm-hmm. with their guy, quote unquote, uh, more so than any other organizations. And I don't think that the cost, you know, he, he's not a top, um, he's not a top 100 pick. He's not a top five, or I don't think he's even a, a top 10 reliever off the board right now. Uh, also, guys like um, Hector Neris are, are really, really interesting to me solely because Gabe Kapler is out of town. 
um, there was something really interesting I noted noticed in the data, which was that like there was a big dispersal of saves when Kapler was managing in Philadelphia. And there's a huge asterisk there, right? Because that could have been something that the front office wanted. That could have been small sample size. That could have been injury. It's just two years. But considering how he's already starting to approach the Giants bullpen, where I think they're going to move saves around a little bit, um, and considering then who's taking over and Joe Girardi and how he managed his bullpen when he was with the Yankees, if we're looking solely at the data, I would take a pretty good guess that uh, Neris is going to get a, a good amount of saves there. And the exact same thing with another situation happening out West with a manager who liked to stick with his guy who has a pretty good closer in Joe Madden and Hansel mm-hmm. Robles, right? These are guys yep. who I think they're going to stick with them over the course of the year who don't necessarily have, you know, fantastic guys behind him. You know, is, is, is Kenyon Middleton really going to steal a lot of saves <laughs> from Hansel Robles? You know, uh, so those are the guys that aren't going to cost you a lot that are going to get you a good amount. I take one of those and then I focus at the back end of the draft after pick 260 on another guy and then maybe get another guy off the waiver wires. I'm so that was like an hour long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can listen to you talk for two hours if you want. Um, it, it is really we have a similar approach. Like every once in a blue moon, if guys fall to me the right way, I'll go and take like a Kenley Jansen or an Edwin Diaz. Like I'm a big fan of trying to get one of those guys if, if it falls. Um, sure. Otherwise I'm probably waiting till the Robleses, the Colomays, um, even Brad hand, even though I didn't like the way he finished last year, he's still the guy pretty much there unless they change things up, which with Kitterick and those guys, which could happen. But uh, like your article points out, what I kind of thought is, you know, he's got 30 or more saves, I think, in three or four years. Um, Tito likes his guys. He, he's a, he, it's a similar thing. The old school managers, there's a trend. Let's just put it that way with, yep. with who they're, they're, they're rolling with. And there's a lot to be said about that. We don't – not everybody looks at uh, who's calling the shots when they're uh, putting things together. So that's very, very intriguing to me. Uh, you mentioned some of your later round targets because, you know, one of the coolest – things to me as a guy that's played fantasy long enough in this article is when you put together like the last, I think it's six years of data here of ADPs and guys like Pashas pick 300 that were top saves options. It just makes me want to kind of vomit in my mouth because <laughs> of who they were, but it's like, yep, this just proves the point even more. It's, it's just ridiculous. But oh, really? uh, you mentioned, you mentioned some guys that you're targeting late um, let's kind of just talk about him. You as an Orioles guy, we saw the Craig Mish interview. Uh, Hunter Harvey was really solid when he came on last year. Rumor is, or theory is, it's his gig. Are you buying into Hunter Harvey right now? I mean, he's free, yeah. right? I mean, where, like, he's going, he's the... I got him right here. Past 300 for sure, right? Yeah, he's up to 310 now. He's gone as high as 211 since the news. Let's put it that way. Wow. So people are starting to buy. If if he's going around the 200s, then I'm not taking Hunter Harvey because there is still some volatility there. But when he's in the 300s, it's a lot more interesting because he still has a great chance of getting you saves. And he was he was he was an electric prospect. You know what I mean? He was he was one of the many, many, many many, many, many pitchers that we have drafted that have not panned out. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And hey, the last time we turned one of our uh, prospect pitchers into a closer, it, it worked out pretty well. And Zach Britton, obviously, it's a totally different kind of pitcher in Hunter Harvey. But yeah, if he's falling, if you're in, if you're in a hometown league, that like, listen, I'm going on another diatribe here. I apologize. But like, feel free. We, one of the things that we do as fantasy analysts, I think, is we are constantly thinking about uh 
you know, the, the greater good, right? And we're thinking about how guys should draft their 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 teams, obviously. But we can get caught up in ADP, and ADP can sometimes be determined by bigger industry leagues with guys who do this all day, every day. And I really want to keep in mind the people who do this much more casually, who cannot name the backup closer on the Seattle Mariners. You know what I mean? Like, that's who we should be talking to and talking about. And if you're going into a hometown league tomorrow, chances are they did not scour Twitter all day to find Craig Mish's interview with Hunter, with uh, with uh, Brandon Hyde about Hunter Hart. He's going to fall. I still think he will. And you can either take him for free or take him off the waiver wire. And he's got electric stuff enough. I think he'll be able to beat out Givens for that job, especially with how Givens has been performing in spring training. And I think he's a nice option. No, I'm with you. I think it's a good later round option. Uh, He's definitely one I like. Uh, You mentioned Aaron Bummer's interesting. I agree because either Colomay struggles, gets traded, or Bummer just hangs out. But they paid him for a reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 100% on board with you there. Uh, some other ones I just want to get your thoughts on because they're either battles or uh, both values. But for fun, you mentioned you mentioned the the A's thing, the Liam Hendricks. You know the A's haven't had back to backs since like twelve and thirteen with Grant Balfour of all people. If people yeah. want to see uh, the definition of crazy in the in the book in the dictionary. Balfour is one of them, and he he was a, he was a character. <laughs> but um, if you had to just kind of go off your hip here, if it's not Liam Hendricks, who do you think it is? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I think probably it, it's Yusmero Petit. Uh, you know, at first, to be honest, when it, when it comes to the um, uh, A's, it could be whoever has the most, the best stuff at that given time. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I think, uh, I think it is Petit, right? <laughs> yes. Yusmero Excuse Petit. Me. You know who I want it to be? I want it to be AJ Puck. Oh, go on. That would be a phenomenal way to monitor his innings. Already having shoulder issues. Let him get right. Come back in May or whatever. You only want him to throw, say, 100 innings. He can. He he, he came out of the bullpen last year. Let him just go be this long, lengthy, you know, speedster out of the back end. I, I'd be good with some AJ Puck. Just throwing it out there. But, uh, you have upset so many people with you saying that. You know what I mean? So many people, yeah. like, it probably just dawned on them that that's a possibility. And they're like, I just spent a top 200 pick on him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I think it can be interesting, but we'll see. Um, I love the part of the article where you talk about Seattle and go, what's a Matt McGill? That was absolutely amazing. He's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Because then you mentioned later Yoshi Hirano, and I'm with you. I think he's the guy to go to. Um, you mentioned don't pay, not, not paying for Nick Anderson. I've been preaching that as well. You got Anderson, Castillo, Alvarado there. I've been saying Alvarado's free and worth a shot. What are you doing with Tampa Bay? Um, in a saves hold league, I'm getting as many of them as I possibly can uh, because they all have electric stuff and they're all going to be utilized. I mean, it, last year, there were two organizations that had 11 relievers uh, get a single save. Uh, 11, which is crazy. Uh, one of them was the Rays and the other one was the Braves. Um, and I think both of those organizations think a little bit differently in that they want their best pitcher at any given time. You know what I mean? Uh they they know that they have so much depth, and that's to me the way organizations are going, where they're creating these kind of super bullpens. You can say that about the Braves, you can say that about the Yankees, you can say it about the Rays. I think you can even say it about, you know, teams like the Brewers have been that way as well before some injuries happened. But they're gonna go with the hot hand at any given time. And I have a tough time believing that when the Rays are playing the Red Sox or the Yankees and Xander Bogarts is up in the sixth inning with a man on third and a one run game that Nick Anderson is not going to come in. 
You know what I mean? He, his stuff is is absolutely electric. I, I just think it's kind of crazy where he's going to assume that he's going to get the bulk of those saves, especially historically with what we've seen, especially also when you have a guy like Jose Alvarado who has like a 22% or excuse me, 22, 28% swinging strike rate in his slider. You know what I mean? And, and, a, and a, a, a very serviceable sinker. So it's like, I, I don't want anything to do with with Nick Anderson at his particular draft price unless it's a saves hold league. Uh, and yeah, I, I'd rather have the other two guys. Yeah, Kevin Cash, like you mentioned, with the amount of people who have gotten saves there, he will play the situation 99% of the time over getting the save. Like that's just the way he's going to go. And people forget last year at this time, everyone was drafting Alvarado as the closer. He kind of struggled, had a lot of personal stuff that we don't know about. And he basically, he's coming out and saying he feels great. His mind's clear this year. There's, there's a lot of things off the field we never know about. So um, I, I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, your article also probably, if I shot down people with the AJ Puck, Gianni, Giovanni Gallegos fans are going to be very angry with you. So that's going to be pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to go through all the players in the grass because, like I said, I want people to read it. I thought it was a, a phenomenal job to, to point out the availability of saves, the ways teams use saves, so many aspects of that and how it's changed throughout the years. What – I know you kind of said it already, but, like, what's your – I guess what's the main thing? I know you mentioned what people want to get out of it. But what did you want to get across there? What do you want to use this for? Or help people to use this in their drafts? I don't know how. I'm, I'm not saying it properly. No, but I, what's I think the I could, biggest thing there? Um, I think it, you know when it all kind of pulls together, it, it kind of echoes what I said at the beginning. But in a, in a clearer way, I can say it is is don't don't be afraid to skip over some guys. You know what I mean? That that's the takeaway. Like. The, I, I personally believe we always we always frame relief pitchers as being the most volatile, but maybe it's time to flip it in a more positive way and say they're actually the most forgiving because you can, you know, skip on them in drafts. Uh, and if you do pick up very high quality stuff later on, it's not forgiving if you do it the other way, if you draft them early and they lose their job. I, I, I do want to bring up some very fantastic counter arguments that were brought up to me by Rob Silver and, and Jeff Zimmerman. You well, know, not those maybe you don't. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, when I see like I Rob, when Rob retweeted it, I was fortunate enough for him to retweet the piece, and he said like the most Rob Silver comment ever, which yeah. was like, "Listen, I don't. I think this is a good article, not because I agree with it. I don't agree with yeah. it at all. Uh, but that, I loved that. I was like absolutely floored by that. But he brings up a great point. You're gonna have to spend fob money." And theoretically, yeah. I don't think you're going to have to spend as much as Jeff thinks you're going to have to spend. I, I politely disagree with him on that because I, I still think you're going to be able to get quality guys for cheap. But, you know, the big asterisk of this piece then is you're going to have to be a little more active on the wire. But if you're not, if you're someone who isn't, then you might need to be prepared to get burned a little bit if you reach on a closer. And that would have been my biggest thing as well, because it's been a discussion about the last few years, because as the markets for saves continue to change, you see that there's more available, maybe not as many clear-cut dominators, I guess, as in years past. Uh, like I, I think last year I tweeted out, would you rather take two studs, one and one, or just kind of punt? And just like, what's your philosophy going into it? Because we've seen it time and time again when the next new closer shows up, everyone runs with the waiver wire. I guess there's two ways to look at it. Um, a, there's going to be so many available on the waiver wire, you can pick and choose. Um, because like, like I think, um, Al Melkier said, it's like 
60% will be on the wire, 40% will be on the wire yes. after oh, the draft or something like that. That piece yeah, is great. It's, yeah, something along those lines. So that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is if you get two good guys, you can get save that money for hitters. Like it, it, it goes back to the one thing you mentioned that I've mentioned many times in the beginning of the show early on, roster construction. It's that simple. Yes. Like, yeah. like how do you build your roster? How do you feel comfortable using the waiver wire? Because some guys are good streaming pitchers. Some guys are good, you know, maybe you're you're paying attention more than most, like you said, you know, not your average Joe Leagues, and you notice that there's, you know, like a committee starting to form. Well, go get that guy before he starts getting the saves. Stuff along those lines are getting super cheap. That's the kind of things that, that can save you money because they are going to be out there. So that's a very good point, and I, I understand Rob's argument. Like I'm kind of on his side on that. Sure. But I think there's many ways to go about it, and I think what you point out also – supports going against myself and Rob because there's so many available. So long yeah, and there's also, and, yeah. there, there's also a good, uh, I think um, a valid counter to the counter, which is not everyone is always looking for saves on the wire. You know what I mean? True, Maybe true. the guy who drafted Nick Anderson hit and he gets 35 saves and he's not worried about it because he, in a roto he's first, second or third or whatever. You know what I mean? And that could yeah. be naive. You could say, well, I always want saves no matter what, because guys could get hurt, but, if I, you know, if I'm, if I have Nick Anderson and he hit, and then, you know, I have Jordan Alvarez and that knee really acted up, I'm not looking at the waiver wire for, for saves anymore. You know what I mean? That's going to happen to probably a third of your league. So I think it lessens the pool even further. No, it's so true. It's one of those, I think if we just kept talking, we could probably talk about the same subject for a long time because it opens up so many ideas on the situation, but I want everybody to go read the article. Absolutely. Awesome information and giving you a whole new perspective on um, the safe situation. And I kind of wish I, I do wish I'm kind of, I wish I was there in Florida. Maybe I'll be there in Arizona to hear your next talk, but that'll be uh, a lot of fun for that. I don't want to go super deep on this spring training stuff. So I just want to get some, some quick hits on you because otherwise we'll be here all night. Um, You guys talk to Jamison Tyon, like these interviews you guys have are amazing. We've heard other pirates talk about the new philosophy in town. How much of this are you buying into and how much is it influencing you? You already said you like Mitch Keller. I have a lot of Mitch Keller shares. There's Musgrove. There's Archer. How are you changing your draft philosophy on this Pirates news? Yeah, I mean, I'm buying in on Musgrove and I'm buying in on Keller. I mean, I, I was a little bit scared about that Musgrove injury um, a couple of days ago. I think it was like a sh- mild shoulder fatigue or mild shoulder discomfort, excuse me. Uh, and then he came back and I think a lot of people saw him get blown up and they're like, well, there goes my shares. A, it's spring training. B, there were 11 home runs in that game because of the wind. And C, the only thing that mattered, in my opinion, is that he didn't feel shoulder pain afterwards and he said he was fine. I think they are changing their philosophy. It's not get a ground ball. It's not three pitches and get out. It's fastballs up and breaking pitches down. And Musgrove has two or three fantastic pitches behind his fastball that he can go to. So if he keeps, if he can stay healthy and who knows if that can happen, I'm very interested in him. I'm very interested in Keller too. There's just so much fantastic raw stuff there. There's also someone that, Nick brought to my attention. I don't want to take any of the credit for him because uh, from Ooh, away from say, him. Because say who you think him. I'm thinking of. Say it. It's Chad Cool. Yes, so cool. That slider is fantastic. He was putting it together before the TJS. 
I'm keeping an eye on him, man. I don't. There's no reason to draft him. I don't think he's making the rotation out of camp. I imagine he'll start getting some spring training. Uh, excuse me, some uh, minor league starts first. But like, I'm going to be watching those minor league starts, and Chad Cool might be on my team by May. That could be interesting. I don't hate it because he was looking better before he got hurt. I'm with you there. I remember yeah. he was getting some. He was streamable before then, so definitely an option there. Matt Boyd, uh, great interview oh. there. It was so fitting that the Boyd Boyds get to uh, <laughs> get to talk to Matt Boyd, like. I, I can't remember. I, I know I listened to the interview. Did one of you guys at least wear the shirt or give him a shirt? We didn't. We didn't. We actually don't have a, a Boyd Boy shirt. We did give Jameson how? Tyone a Tyone shirt. I don't know. I don't know how. I think we were worried about them <laughs> suing us. Um, but Nick did say afterwards, I have to let you know, you know, we, we love you. and We call ourselves the Boyd Boys. I remember and I was that. like. Oh my God, it was brutal. I mean, like he very, he was <laughs> extremely polite and gave us a little chuckle. And then I said, but you know, maybe this year it'll be Boyd's to men. Uh, and then he was like, oh, I, I like, I like that one. I was like, oh God, please save me from this terrible situation. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. Um, what you, when, when you guys were talking to him, he was even admitting how the issues last year with, you know, the fastball getting crushed at times and he, you know, the strikeouts were great. He was, you know, innings were great. Home runs were not. Um, he's making some pitch cha- pitch mix changes, and you guys are we're pointing him out before you talk to him. But are you guys liking what you're seeing so far? Are you a believer that he's going to take that next step? I I don't want to get people too excited, but the things that I'm seeing for spring from spring training have caused me to physically accost Nick uh, <laughs> because it's we're we're so excited. I mean, this in his in his most recent spring training start, which I believe was yesterday. Um, there was a strikeout on his fastball, on his changeup, on his slider, and two on his curveball, one of which was a beautiful backdoor curveball that just completely froze the hitter. Uh, if he is, this is a, a guy who had an elite slider with a very good cur- uh, fastball, excuse me, because of his command. Now we're talking about that command, excuse me, that velocity going from 92 to potentially 94, what will likely be 93 over the course of the year with a changeup that is at 82, 81 and a show me curveball that is, you know, a little bit erratic, but when it's there is fantastic. If that's the case. Then, then, then I'm in. This is a guy who already had a 30% K rate last year, I believe. So if you're telling me that can go up even more and that ERA can come down, the one thing that's not going to change unless he gets traded is the defense behind him is not fantastic. The, the, you know, he's still going to give up home runs every once in a while, but I am just very in. If you can get Matt Boyd, which you probably can, as your SP3, we're talking about a guy with SP2, maybe SP1 upside, probably SP2 upside. But that's where you can probably get him, and I'm just in love with that. Yeah, pick 157 right now. That seems like an insane value. If Because everything else was great. Just keep the ball in the ballpark, and he would have been just holding their ballgame. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, there's been a lot of great uh, uh, spring training you know, performances, overall stats you know, that, that, that make people intrigued here. One that stood out to me is Dylan Cease because he's a guy that I tell people many times for guys that play like DFS, he's like that tournament play because he has such a high ceiling, but that floor can be terrifying if he's walking guys. Like he's so, so good, but he's really limited to the walks this spring, gives up a couple home runs, which he's going to do. He's got like that Verlander Cole in him that he's going to throw so many fastballs. They're going to barely touch it. It's going to blow out sometimes, but he's so good and going about pick 260. Are you liking, or you're obviously liking what you see. Are you believing what you see? 
Um, something happened yesterday with Dylan Cease that scared me a little bit. Um, I, I have no disagreements with you that the raw talent is is electric, right? The, the fastball is fantastic. The breaking stuff is fantastic. He started off Nick Senzel in the beginning of the excuse me in the beginning of the game yesterday with uh, an elevated fastball that was pretty much at the top of the zone, and I was like, okay, like, yep, that's what we want to see. And then a curveball right over the plate completely froze Senzel. All of a sudden, he's o two, and I'm like, this is great. There's no better way to start a game than what Dylan Cease is doing right now. And then he served up another fastball that saw way too much of the zone and Senzel just took it to right field and the rest of that start was Dylan Cease playing mental catch-up it looked like he was behind 3-0 to the next batter and then he got back into it then he fell behind 3-0 to the guy after that and then he lost his curveball in the second inning and it just looked he had two mound visits in the second inning in the middle of a spring training game and it just looked like he was spiraling out of control the raw talent is there at the end of the 200s, at pick 280, 290, you can take him if you've got a, you know some some uh, stable uh, SPs around him because I think he can theoretically reach it. I like what I saw with the command, but that scared me. That 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 kind of got me off him a little bit. No, it's very understandable. That's why I'm concerned. I, I don't own him anywhere right now. I want to take the chance, but like right behind him, Sandy Alcantara, who I love. Couple oh picks yeah, late. nice. Couple picks later, Jordan Montgomery, who I'm actually a believer in. I think there's there's something to like there. So it's just tough for me to grab uh, Dylan Cease. You you mentioned you watched this start yesterday. You've seen so much action. You're like, I literally go to your feed just to see what videos you came up with because it saves me a ton of time on what the cool stuff was <laughs> for the day. Um, any like anybody that's really stood out to you that you weren't expecting to see what you've seen so far this spring? I know it's kind of a loaded question. Um, yeah, sure. I I was. Uh, happy with what Price did in his second start. I think Price is in for a really nice year out in LA. I don't, I'm not as worried about injury. Uh, excuse me, I'm worried about injury. I'm not as worried about inning restriction from him. Uh, and I thought some of his pitches were working yesterday. Um, Kenta Maeda, I got really excited about. I thought he had a really electric start a couple of days ago, and I liked watching his uh, his breaking stuff do its thing. Um, some of the deeper ones that I'm keeping an eye on that I don't really feel comfortable endorsing quite yet but i'm excited to keep watching um is kwang young kim uh out in uh st louis uh he had a really interesting start uh i believe it was on monday against the twins and they just didn't know what to do with him in the first time through the order the command was a little bit iffy um but he had some really really nice sliders he changes speeds pretty effectively it looks like he did a really good job elevating his fastball he got he completely fooled josh donaldson on this fastball like up towards his head um i i worry about what's going to happen when guys get a look at him a little bit more but i want to watch another start of his and then a really really deep cut uh is bruce zimmerman uh, who is a minor league guy for the Orioles who has this slider that just made Austin Meadows look like a like a complete fool out there. Um, I don't see him breaking camp with the team, but I'm curious to watch his development. Uh, he, he's definitely stuck out to me so far this year. Uh, you just mentioned one of your Orioles, so now it just got me going down a rabbit hole real quick. Um, I'm looking for his name. You'll know it the second I say, okay, it's probably not even one of these. There's a Rule 5 draft pick that you guys picked up, I believe, a pitcher, and there's rumors he might make the club. Um, isn't he a starter, or is that Tanner Scott? I can't remember who it is. My so, no, you, I, no, no, no. I think you might have trouble finding him because I think yesterday or the day before they sent him back. 
that's why I can't find him. I remember like early in spring there was high hopes, and then okay, answers that question. Yeah, it was Brand- uh, it was Brandon Bailey, and you're right. I was yes. I was excited about him, and you know, uh, I rem- it's so funny. I I I was excited. He actually was starting the game that Nick and I saw when we interviewed Jamison Tyon. And Nick watched like two pitches, and he was like, "Nah, I'm out." okay i guess he wasn't impressed with his mechanics he wasn't you know he wasn't really doing the drop and drive super efficiently a little bit wonky for a guy who's uh not necessarily the tallest guy out there Uh, um i was excited like you said because the astros uh, front office pretty much became the orioles front office uh and when they took an interest in him so did i and i guess it just didn't pan out yeah no it happens no doubt about that it'll be fun to see in the last like week or so what takes place uh, let's do a couple listener questions and we'll call her a night here. Um, Eric, Eric Samolsky at Samsky NYC, a frequent listener of the show. He'd like to hear your thoughts. He kind of mentioned it, but you can give him a quick recap on the new batter minimum and how it will affect the saves as they get dispersed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we will see a, a change. I think we are going to see a change this year. We're going to see. Um, you could theoretically see more of a fireman situation this year, right? It kind of is the Nick exa- Nick Anderson example that we used before. Like if they need a guy to come in to, and the game is on the line, uh, a smart organization that isn't the Colorado Rockies is going to put their best guy in there. Um, so I do think that we're probably going to see fewer relievers get saves, but because of the fact that we can still see 30 fewer get saves and still have more record saves than what happened in the 2018 season says to me that there would need to be a really drastic change to see things kind of normalize. And we're not going to see that. Yep. I'm with you there. Uh, Cody McDonald at Comac do he just says Verlander question, question mark. No, kind of <laughs> we talked about the start. The show is just another guy bites the dust. Cody's a good listener and just a funny, funny overall guy. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah he is. he's good. And then this one, it made no sense to me. Uh, wake up at wake up one, two, three, all the way through nine. He says, is Victor Robles now going to bat eighth or ninth or 10th? I haven't seen anything in Washington to change things. He's supposed to be leading off. Uh, did you know anything? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that either. So yeah, I'm, I was a little okay. bit puzzled by that one as well. I did like the notion of someone batting 10th. That gave me a nice little yep. chuckle, but yeah. S- slow pitch softball, baby. Um, <laughs> get, get, get done. It's like the Milwaukee Brewers team. Um, so <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, good times there. And Alex, always a good time chatting. Um, we'll have to do it more often instead of, you know, once every 13 months or something. But uh, I thought I did we... something to you. I was like, oh, my no. God, what, what did I do? I try not to bug people too often, but I think I'm going to start bugging people more often. So uh, that, that you will be on sooner. I'll say that much going forward. Before we wrap it up again, though, remind everybody where they can find you, all the cool stuff going on at Picture List. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, over on Twitter at AlexFast8. Um, I know some people are asking. I'm going to uh, hopefully, uh, not hopefully, I'm going to have my updated top 100 out uh, next week, probably Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and then, yeah, come check us out at PitcherList.com. And, and thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. No, always good to have you. I'm, um, it, it's a great chat. And the things you said before, it does means a lot to me. So I appreciate those kind words. And, and seriously, uh, you're doing some awesome stuff over there. So it's fun to watch. I look forward to reading your stuff and all your stuff. That website's amazing. I told Nick, like, I always screw up and I forget to submit an application to join. I said, next year I'll remember, I promise. We'll um, bug you to, for it. Yeah, I said, I'll make sure to do something and contribute somewhere along the line. But uh, and, I, and I am proud. I'm going to do a humble brag here. 
I said pitcher list every time this time. I didn't screw it up like I usually do. You have no idea how much that means to us. I still have my like Aria style list of all the people who call us the pitcher list or pitchers list. So it means a lot to us. And, you know, I don't know why you were so flattered at the top of the podcast. I was just reading the script that you sent me. So it's, you know. (laughs) No problem, man. But uh, I I, I appreciate it. And uh, we're going to wrap it up there. But everybody... Go check out Alex on Twitter at AlexFast8 and all the great stuff at PitcherList.com. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 258. Talk with Alex Fast. Catch you guys later.